Hello to each of you today, and welcome once again to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet. Today we are continuing with part two of, What Are You Hoping For? Last week, we started with the questions. Going into this new year, what are your hopes and dreams? What is it that you're believing God to do this year that maybe did not manifest last year? What have you been waiting and waiting for, not just for one or two years, but perhaps many? What things have you asked God for and they have yet to occur? What is it that even though you know with all your heart that God is going to do it, you can still see that he just hasn't done it yet? Last week, we talked about not just waiting, but waiting on our Father to do what needs to be done patiently, no matter how long the wait has been. I have another question to those who are listening today. Have you ever been in prayer and truly seeking the face of God when thoughts of hunger will enter your mind? Or maybe the phone will ring or something will occur to distract you from your time and intimacy with the Father. Well, these things are just that, distractions. Distractions, interruptions, diversions, intrusions, or whatever you want to call them, are created and sent to keep us from giving our full attention to God and allowing the Holy Ghost to minister to our spirits whatever he may want to speak in those moments. These intrusions won't just come during prayer time, but all throughout our days, the enemy will use the very things that we're hoping for in a way, a particular way that he has planned and purposed against us. While we may be focused on what we're hoping and believing God for, at the same time, the enemy will be sending doubts and anxieties concerning those hopes, especially when we're supposed to be waiting patiently. He will use these tactics against us in ways that allows for us to be anything but patient. It will be during these very moments that he will try to use our hopes to literally become our stress. This tactic is designed and purposed by the enemy to cause us to lose hope and eventually want to give up and not believe. But I repeat, my sisters and brothers, don't give up, hold on, and don't let go of what you're hoping for. We cannot allow our time of waiting to become one of stress and fear. Some years ago, God ministered a word to my spirit to not allow my weight, my W-A-I-T, to become a weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. We can't allow our time of waiting on God to become an excessive weight and burden to us. Our hopes and beliefs cannot turn into loads and heaviness in our lives that become things that will burden us down in such ways that they develop into anxieties, depressions, and negativity. And the only way to avoid that, the only way to deny the enemy that victory is to know how to wait patiently. So again, don't give up and hold on with patience and joy for what you're hoping for. But what is it that will help you to hold on and keep you from giving up on that thing that means so much to you? 
What is it that we can do in order to remain patient while waiting on God? I remember many years ago, the first time God ministered to me from the 119th Division of Psalms. Initially, I found it encumbering attempting to read that entire chapter of 176 verses. But again, at that time, I was still a very young Christian. However, eventually, I was not only able to read it, but also to hear our Father speak to me from it. One of the things that I realized is that five different times in that same chapter, verses 43, 74, 81, 114, and 147, the psalmist says to God, I put my hope in your word. As I continued to read that chapter and those verses in particular, I found myself saying to God, God, it's your word that causes me to hope. It's God's word that gives us hope and that keeps our hope alive. One of the reasons I read our Father's word every day without exception is because it's his word that he uses daily to build my faith. That's what helps us to hold on and not let go of what we're hoping for. It's his word that day by day gives us the strength and courage to continue to believe and trust him. It's God's word that enables us to maintain our hope in spite of what we may see and endure. And it's also his word that makes our joy complete. We must learn to focus on God's word and not just on the issues that we're hoping for. In other words, let's hear what God is saying and not what our flesh is speaking. Flesh says, look at your checking account as to how low it is, rather than remembering that God has said in his word that he shall supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Flesh will say, look at what your children are doing that's totally against the word of God. We all remember Job who sacrificed for his children just in case they had sinned. But the word reminds us that Jesus didn't just die for us, but for our children and our children's children as well. The covenant that we walk in with the Father is generational. And as the Father spoke to me once when praying for one of my sons during a time that he wasn't walking accordingly, no one wants them saved more than him. No one wants that son, that daughter, that loved one saved more than God does. Fletch will say to us, look at what the doctor report is reading, as opposed to remembering God's word says that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. As I always say, Flesh is not our friend, and it plays a great part in keeping us distracted and obstructed from the things and the word of God. It's his word that causes us to hope. It's the word of God that builds our strength to hold on and not give up. When I would look at my house and the areas where the repairs are needed, it was so disappointing. To say that it was a distraction is putting it mildly. During the freeze in December, right at the holidays, 
God knew that my heart was in despair, but again, he used his word for me as he uses it for each of us. For three mornings straight, our father brought me into Romans 8 to remind me not just to wait, but how to wait. And that way is patiently. We must wait with patience. In the Strong's Concordance, the word patience is defined in the New Testament as the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. So we must know that no matter how great those trials and sufferings might be, we will not be swerved. Our directions will not be changed. We will not turn aside from our faith in Christ Jesus and the words he has spoken to us. Not only that, but while we are waiting, we shall wait patiently and with joy. We don't want it to be a matter of saying to our father, well, I'm waiting but I sure am miserable. I'm waiting, but I'm definitely not happy about it. I'm waiting, but I have absolutely no joy in my life during this time of waiting on you. Instead, let it be a matter of it actually being that we're waiting with great anticipation and joy, because I assure you, your joy will come. As it states in the book of James, in the first chapter at the second verse, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And we must also remember what the psalmist said, weeping may endure for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Going back to Romans 8 at the 18th verse, it reads, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I know that our Father is going to reveal his glory in and through us, but there will be that season and time of waiting. Let's be aware of the fact that we know when the enemy sees us in that season of waiting, waiting on our finances to grow, waiting for that spouse to change, for the healing to manifest, for your children to start acting like the child you raised. He will do everything possible to make sure that you experience just the opposite. If you're waiting to hear the right words, you will surely hear negative ones. While you're waiting for the pain to stop, it will definitely increase. Oftentimes, things will seemingly get worse before they get better. Yet still, we will wait. But why? What's the purpose of waiting so long? It's all so that our Father will be glorified. Not only that, but believe it or not, God chose you just for the particular situation that you're in so that all those around you, family, friends, co-workers, and yes, even your enemies will see him glorified through you. He chose you for this special purpose. Now it's up to you not to fail. John chapter 9 speaks of a man who was chosen by God for a particular purpose. The disciples asked Jesus, why was the man born blind? They wanted to know who had sinned, the man or his parents. 
Here the disciples, as well as others, looked at him and his parents as though something was wrong with them. It was assumed that they had sinned, that they had done something wrong and were totally out of the will of God, so much so that God had cursed them by this man, their son, being born blind. But the third verse says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man's entire life had been spent in blindness. And it would seem that the man nor his parents had ever asked why. It wasn't the man that Jesus responded to, nor his parents, but the disciples and those around them who were listening. And his answer was the same then as it is to each of us today. It's so that the works of God might be displayed. Our Father's response to me and to you, it's so that his works will be displayed in us. While others are assuming that something is wrong with you, that apparently you've sinned or that your walk with the Father is not as it should be, God is continually knowing that you're trusting and waiting on him patiently so that his works will be displayed. What work of God does he want to display in you? What is it that he wants you to wait patiently so that he will be glorified? What have you been waiting on for the Father to complete in your life so that he can show you off to the world? In the King James Version, that same verse reads, Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. It was so that God's work would be made visible, seen, and realized. If we don't give up and let go of our hopes in God, he will finally manifest those hopes. If we trust him, our hopes will be seen and realized by all for his glory. When we look at our situations, we must open our eyes and see the real picture. First of all, we must know that it will be done. That's a given, and we don't have to be concerned with that. When I look at the repairs needed on my home, instead of focusing on that issue, I realize and am so thankful that I'm not sleeping under a bridge or in a shelter. I am in my own home with a mortgage note that I could never find a house or an apartment to rent for such a small amount. Yet, it's not only my home that I can be thankful and have joy about, but also my concern for others. If it's concerning someone's salvation, character, or their walk with the Father, I realize that I must see them as God sees them, not as they are, but for who they will become. I will not stand with the accuser of the brethren, but rather I will remain in agreement with God concerning them. I have to remember that our father was kind, compassionate, and patient with me until I turned to him. I must have the faith and knowledge that he will do no less for the unsaved loved ones in my life as he did for me. With loving kindness, he is drawing them to him. When the enemy tries to distract me with pain in my body, I focus 
not just on the fact that by his stripes I'm healed, but the fact that I can feel this pain because I'm still alive and breathing. I rejoice because in spite of what my body wants me to focus on, I can still move, function, and remain totally independent until and if God chooses to heal me. And until that time, I shall wait with patience and joy. If we wait, it will be worth it. We will not be disappointed. Always remember that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Philippians 4, 6 reminds us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We presented our request through prayer because those are our hopes. We're not being anxious because we have patience and joy. And we are thankful to our Father because we focus and appreciate what we do have as opposed to what we're still waiting on. And again, remember Romans 8.18. And let's ask ourselves, what are we going through right now that is worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us? Whatever is happening to you, to me, to any one of us right now cannot be set side by side. It cannot be compared with. There is no contrast between our present suffering and the glory that will be revealed in us. So hold on to your hope and don't let go. And if you're truly waiting on God, then what you're waiting for is worth the wait. Wait for it. And while you're waiting, wait patiently and wait with joy because your best is yet to come. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I- T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support and may God bless each and every one of you.